Gone, a podcast about people who have gone missing from the upper Midwest of the United States and Southern Ontario. These people didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. Katie Nordby, and I'm Janelle Feller. This story is about Sandra Mary Jacobson and John Henry Jacobson. In November 1996, Sandra Mary Jacobson lived in an apartment in Center, North Dakota with her two sons, Spencer Nastrom, who was 16, and John Jacobson, who was five years old. She and John's father, Alan, had separated three months earlier. On the way to her mother, Bernice Grensteiner's home, Sandra called the police department. She was upset and reported what she believed to be a satanic ritual abuse taking place at a farm near Center. She called the Bismarck Police Department because she didn't trust law enforcement in Center or Oliver County. Sandra and John arrived at Bernice's home around 7.30 p.m. Sandra appeared to be having a mental health problem. Eventually, she agreed to go to the hospital. But first, she needed to put gas in her car. She and John were last seen leaving in a 1990 gray Honda Civic from the 1100 block on University Drive in Bismarck. They purchased fuel, but they never returned to Bernice's home. Bernice reported them missing at 10 p.m. on November 11, 1996. The next day, Sandra's car was found at Centennial Beach parking lot near the Missouri River between Bismarck and Mandan. The driver's side door was wide open The keys were in the ignition, and Sandra's purse was on the front seat, undisturbed. Sandra and John were nowhere to be found. Police searched the park and the river. They only found a shoe belonging to John. The river had strong currents, and severe weather hampered the search efforts. Investigators were not able to search the river as well as they would have liked. The Missouri River near Bismarck is 9 feet deep and 300 feet wide. The police have stated that there is no evidence pointing to foul play in the case of Sandra and John Jacobson. The case remains unsolved. They were declared legally dead sometime after their disappearance. One point of interest is that the father of Sandra's oldest son, Spencer, was a victim of homicide in 2005. He was run over by his own car and left to die in a ditch on a maintenance road north of Tuttle, North Dakota. His murder remains unsolved. Today, Sandra would be 60 years old. She is Caucasian, five foot six, and weighs 145 pounds. She has brown hair, green eyes, and wears glasses. Her ears are pierced. John would be 28 years old. He is Caucasian and was four foot eight inches at the time of his disappearance. He has light brown hair and brown eyes. If you have information about Sandra or John Jacobson, please contact the Bismarck Police Department at 701-223-1212. You can see photos of Sandra and John on the Gone-Podcast website. All sources used in the research of this story are listed as well. I know that 
it said that there was no evidence of foul play, but there's no evidence at all of anything. No. And I, I, so I don't know how they can say there was no, there was no evidence. Right. A shoe. Um, there was no evidence of foul play, but there's no evidence that they're dead or alive or anything. Did either of the children's fathers have anything to say about the day that she left? Or, I mean, I know that you said that there was some sort of mental health emergency, but did they say anything about this was common for her or this wasn't out of the ordinary? There's nothing, there was nothing reported that either um, Alan or Spencer's dad said anything about anything. And it doesn't indicate that there was a diagnosed mental illness. And I would argue that her paranoid behavior doesn't make her suicidal. No. And, um, I mean, the mother was concerned, so she got her to agree to go to the hospital, but then she just disappeared. Yeah. And I guess if the mother was really concerned about her, about Sandra's mental health, she wouldn't have let Sandra leave with with a five-year-old child. You wouldn't think so. I mean, to get gas in the car. Yeah. They would have all gone together or there, you know, there would have been something. But I mean, this is 1996. So maybe we, we dealt with those things differently. But I think any grandmother would have been, if she was really concerned, she would have, would have kept the grandson or anything. And as far as her calling the Bismarck Police Department about this satanic ritual, I mean, was that... Was there actually something going on, or was there even anything said about that? There was the only thing that was said was is that she is that she made this call to Bismarck um, that that they verified that, but not that there was any any it had it, that had any substance or that there was any reason to believe that, uh, or there was reason to believe that it wasn't happening. Right. But uh, but it was very specific that she called the belie- the Bismarck Police Department, uh, not Oliver. Oliver County or the, the, the city of center. Yeah. So, so she has some reason to believe that calling Bismarck was the best way to go. Yes. But if her, her, her behavior may appear to be paranoid or, and this wouldn't be unusual for somebody if they had a mental illness to be concerned about local law enforcement, you know, somebody listening in or somebody, um, that, that behavior as far as, you know, isn't, unheard of you know I come from a small town and and I think that there's always people that are concerned about that maybe a bigger town might handle some things better sure and uh, again uh, being paranoid is not the same thing as being suicidal yeah it doesn't one does not equate the other and um, it doesn't make a lot of sense there's not a there doesn't make a lot of sense in, in the things that happen and there is not a lot of information on on Sandra, her family, or anything. I mean, yeah. it doesn't report any legal issues or any any anything. And then nine years later, her the husband of, or the father of Spencer, dies in a homicide because he was run over by his own car. It, there's it's odd. It's mysterious. Unusual. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, just by talking about them and mentioning their names again, and this is kind of odd that this happened. Hopefully, it'll pique somebody's interest and maybe somebody knows something, the sus- remember something. The suspicion is, the, the and it was reported 
several different times um, is that that she walked John. She and John went into the river, drowned and perished. Um, but there's no proof of that. There's a shoe. Little kids sh lose their shoes. Right. Um, and it's November. The if that if that's what happened, you would think that there would have been a body found somewhere along been the river. Shoes, a coat, clothing. Um, this is a big, wide river, and I mean, it is November, and people probably aren't gazing out at the Missouri River in the middle of November. But you would think that something would show up yeah. somewhere. There's a long ways before it, uh, the end of the. Uh, end of the trail for the Missouri River and nothing was found right except for this one shoe in the park not in the river in the park so yeah my story this week is of Morgan Bauer Morgan Bauer graduated from Central High School in Aberdeen South Dakota in 2014 at 19 she dreamed of a life in the big city and made plans to move to Atlanta Georgia she told her mother Sherry that she would be living with two roommates so in February 2016 she got a ride to the Minneapolis airport and caught a flight to Atlanta. She had $20 in her pocket and would be getting her tax refund of $600 not long after she moved. We know she arrived at Hartfield Jackson International Airport on February 2nd. Once she arrived, we would learn her actual plan. She moved in with two people she met on Craigslist. With limited funds, she planned to clean their house until she was able to find a job. Based on text messages she sent her friends, her first day there went well. The next day, she went out job hunting only to find her belongings in the front yard. With nowhere to go, she stayed in a hotel, although we are not sure which hotel. At this point, she sought work as an exotic dancer. Morgan was an avid social media user and had been updating her friends on what she was up to since leaving South Dakota. After February 25th, the posts stopped. Some weeks later, a friend of Morgan's reached out to her mom, Sherry, about her lack of contact and social media posts. At the time, Sherry didn't notice anything out of the ordinary since her and Morgan hadn't been on speaking terms because of a disagreement that happened before she left South Dakota. But her mom contacted the Atlanta police and Morgan was reported missing on March 12, 2016. An employee at a Waffle House said Morgan was a regular customer and told her she worked as a dancer at the Teasers Gentlemen's Club. The club owners were questioned by the police after Morgan went missing and allowed volunteers to hang her missing persons poster, but they insist she never worked there. They said she applied, but she didn't have the proper paperwork to work as a dancer. The police could confirm that Morgan worked at the now-closed Top of Gainesville Club in Hall County for about a week. Officials have been unable to confirm which other clubs she may have worked at, but several businesses said she didn't have the proper paperwork when she inquired about a job. Morgan's last known contact was in the early hours of February 26th. She left the Teasers Gentlemen's Club with another dancer and her boyfriend. Her last social media activity was through Snapchat the night she went missing. It's not clear what they did after they left the club. Morgan's phone was traced to the town where the couple lived in Porterdale around midnight. Her phone has never been located and has had no activity since then. When officials questioned the couple about Morgan, they said they dropped her off at a Sitco gas station a few miles away. But what's interesting is that on other occasions, they deny seeing Morgan at all that night. This man and woman have never been thoroughly investigated, and it's reported that they now live in different states.
Atlanta Police Sergeant Warren Picard said they're trying to figure out if Morgan chose to disappear or if she was taken against her will. Her mother said she knows her daughter wanted to start a new life in Atlanta, but she doesn't believe that she would stop contact with her friends and family. Morgan was due to work the evening of the 26th and never showed up and didn't call in. It seems unlikely that she chose to disappear. She used her phone and social media constantly and also had little money. She left her $600 tax refund untouched in her account. Her mom said one possibility is that her daughter became a victim of trafficking, and at this point, she doesn't believe Morgan's out there on her own. The circumstances behind Morgan's disappearance are unclear. Police stated there's no evidence of foul play in her case, but obviously the family fears she could be in danger. They believe she could be in the metro area, but may not be in Atlanta specifically. Her mother said it's hard getting phone calls and people texting me or messaging me that my daughter's dead, or getting phone calls from the police department saying that they need dental records or that they found a body. Morgan would be 23 years old this year. As of April 2019, there have been no leads. Currently, there is a $10,000 reward to help find Morgan. Morgan is 5'6", 130 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. She has multiple piercings and five tattoos. Her mother has set up a Facebook page named Missing Morgan, where updates, if any, are posted. If you have information about Morgan Bauer's disappearance, please call the Atlanta Police Homicide and Missing Persons Unit at 1-404-546-4235 or Atlanta Crime Stoppers at 1-404-577-8477. I don't know if you know this, but I I lived in Aberdeen, South Dakota uh, for several years after I graduated from college. And Aberdeen is a town of 30,000. It's the third largest town in South Dakota, but it still feels like a small town. And um, there's a lot of difference between Aberdeen, South Dakota, and Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. It's curious that she chose Atlanta. Yeah, and I couldn't find anywhere that, you know, why why she chose Atlanta. It doesn't sound like she had any connection to Atlanta other than these people that she met on Craigslist, which is concerning in itself. It, it, it is concerning because she didn't know who they were. Um, I think that if you were a predator, you would be looking for somebody just like Morgan who had few resources and was looking for a place to live and no connections and no connections the uh but she she lived there for about a month um and was managing to make make her way right and then everything disappeared the couple that the uh she, you said that she left men's club with a, another dancer and her boyfriend right and that that was the last known ping on her cell phone that the GPS that indicated that it was in the same town. Yep. And if she was a 19-year-old girl at the time or 23 years old now, you know, you wouldn't go very far from your phone. Phone would be important. Yeah, and and all the articles that I read about her, it specifically said that she was, I mean, her phone was with her all the time and she was always posting on Snapchat and, you know, Facebook on social media. She was always updating people about that. However, it would be easy to get a different phone. Yeah. Get a different phone uh, under a different alias, or maybe she went missing on purpose. I mean, right. and she I didn't think, have the right to. Right, and I think that that's the hope that she did. We, I hope that she's okay. Um, I just, it's, it's curious that she had this $600 tax refund that has not been touched. Right. And, and she, if, I mean, she had no money. Right. She went there with $20 in right. her pocket, which <clears throat> I, I just, I can't imagine 
going anywhere to another town with only $20 in your pocket, but much less Atlanta, Georgia, where yeah. I can imagine things are a little bit more expensive. You couldn't do much with $20. Even to get a hotel room. Even to get a hotel room. Uh, I think that happens often is, is that there's these plans that don't work out, which ends up leaving you homeless. And I suppose February in Atlanta, Georgia isn't like February in northern Minnesota, but you've got luggage, you've got stuff, no vehicle, no transportation, no idea how to navigate a, a brand new city, and you're stuck. Yeah, A hotel would have cost, you know, every dollar she had. If uh, that, yeah, if you, you would think more than twenty dollars. You would think, um, yeah. It, it's it's interesting because I think I think law enforcement deals with this all the time. Did that person, is that person um, missing, or did they run away? Did are they did they choose to step off of the um, out of the public's eye? Or I mean, six hundred dollars that she would have had access to. Yeah, it just doesn't. You wouldn't just leave that there because. No. And it just wasn't like her to not be updating people and posting things on social media. Does she have family other than her mother? She has a sister, as far as I could tell. Okay. Um, Because you'd think that while you might change your life, it would be hard to give up your mother and a sister. Yeah, It's one thing to change cities and make new friends, but it's another to give up your your sister. Right. That would be, I just... It's upsetting that, you know, this, this case is fairly recent 2016 and there is limited information about anything about her whereabouts when even when she was there I mean there's just not very much information about what she was up to while she was there Mm -hmm. and it sounds like there's a lot of misinformation right uh, um, but not a lot of actual factual information about where she was specifically yeah and even though her phone pinged in uh, that one community with the her friend, the dancer, and the dancer's boyfriend. The phone was never found. No evidence. And we're in such a connected world now, it's hard to believe that somebody can just disappear. Well, and it's interesting in both of these cases that, you know, there's no evidence of foul play, but there's no evidence that there wasn't foul play either. Yeah, and I think that that even with Sandra Jacobson's case, um, did she leave by choice? Did she commit suicide? What happened? And did they run away? Did they choose to leave? Did they choose to to go into hiding? Did did Sandra commit suicide and murder? Um, or did she just go into hiding? In Morton's case, did she make new friends? Uh, move to a new city? Uh, got a different phone? Um, and just ended contact with, with her old life right it would be hard to believe that you could do that and just leave behind six hundred dollars just sitting there waiting for you yeah that's the one thing that just makes it seem as if that wasn't a choice that she made right in this day and age it's hard to believe that somebody can just disappear yeah and never be heard from again yeah we ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media Missing persons photos, along with any other information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.